To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. Now, this podcast is a bit late this week. You know, I always felt guilty when we had to step away from work for a few days, and I decided to plan a fun fall break and just enjoy the time with our kids and not feel guilty about it. Our kids get an entire week off for fall break, and this is the week, last week. We went to Zion National Park again because we stopped through so quickly at the end of our summer vacation because my husband needed to get back to his brand new job, so we barely got a chance to explore any of it. This time, we did some really fun activities, some horseback riding, which my daughter chose, a sunset jeep ride, some skeet shooting, and tons of hiking. Honestly, it's one of the most beautiful places I have ever seen. I have no, I had no idea all these years that such a beautiful place was only a seven hour drive away. So that is why this is coming out a little late this week, but better late than never. So this week, the questions are about how to deal with a toddler who insists on throwing their cup and a toddler who is only having pee accidents, not really an accident, when he's upset or angry. So I'll cover how to deal with that. Then at the end, as is my new habit, I'm gonna talk about my latest, biggest parenting challenge of the week. And this one is or was a doozy. Our first question about cup throwing from Helen, and she wrote, Hi Erin, I love your podcast. I've been listening for about a year now and I'm finding it really helpful, so thank you. I have a question regarding my 20-month-old daughter's behavior during meals. For the last six months at least, she frequently throws her cup with the water or milk in it. She throws it really hard over her shoulder behind her after she has asked for it or been given it and has taken a few sips to drink. 
Frequently, the cup with the lid will explode, sending milk everywhere. She sits in a high chair with us at the table. I've tried various approaches to stop it and nothing works. Before we give her the cup, I often say, please put the cup on the table when you're finished. Sometimes she does do this and we give her praise for doing so. However, often she still throws it. I've tried saying no firmly when she had thrown it. We try to say calmly the cup stays on the table after she has thrown it. I think she looks for reaction as sometimes she gives me a sideways glance before throwing, so I have tried to just leave the cup on the floor and not react, but often I have to clean it up if it's milk. She seems really interested when we clean it up. Just for a background, she doesn't throw it if she drinks while out of the high chair, standing or walking around. She is a very happy, loving little girl, but has a very persistent temperament. Any advice would be welcome. I'm sick of cleaning the floor constantly. Thank you, Helen from London, UK. So for Helen, it does sound like she's interested in this cause and effect, not that just the reaction she gets from you, but the whole thing, the gravity, it falling to the floor, it's splitting apart in the liquid going everywhere, followed by the cleanup. So that's a lot of stuff and action she gets to create from throwing a cup. So young toddlers are generally very interested in cause and effect and especially their own. So what can I do that has an effect on my world? They get a really big kick out of this. So here are some options. Number one, you can try to find a cup that screws on or pops on very tightly and won't split open. That will lessen the effect. No breaking open, no spilling, and no cleanup. Number two, give her one chance and one chance only at mealtimes. If she throws it, she doesn't get it back during that meal again. You can even implement both of these together, number one and number two. Number three, help her use it or keep your hands very close by and then take it from her when she's done. She'll likely not be happy about it, but the rule could be you help her or she doesn't get to use it. Now you could implement this if number one and number two combo doesn't yield the results you would like. Number four, you could not allow her to use it at mealtimes at all until she stopped the habit. So let her drink before and after the meal, but not when she's in the high chair. Try again after a week to see if she can get through the meal without throwing the cup. If she throws it, you go back to drinking before and after the meal, but not during from the high chair. In general, you want to stick with using positive language by this. I mean, stay away from using the words no, don't, or stop in your instructions. So young toddlers can have a hard time with these phrases because don't throw the cup or we don't throw the cup or no throwing the cup or stop throwing the cup can be hard to turn the language around. They hear and understand throw and cup, but then they have to turn it around to the opposite. And sometimes that's a lot of language to decipher at such a young age. So like you were doing, the cup stays on the table is the best way to let her know what you do want rather than what you don't. Now, if it were me, I would use the number one, number two combo. I would find a cup that basically is indestructible, that won't pop open when she throws it, as well as implementing a one chance policy. Throw it and you don't get it back the rest of the meal. We'll try again next meal. If it continues after a week and it's really bothersome to you, I would then implement throw it and you're done eating. When you throw the cup, you're telling me you're finished. When we eat, we follow the rules of the table but it's getting tossed and not spilling, then hopefully it won't be as big of a deal. So Helen, I'd love to hear how these go for you and what you choose. So the next question is from Lennis and it's about having accidents on purpose when the toddler is angry or upset. Lennis says, I've been listening to your podcast and have learned so much, but I haven't seen this specific question answered yet. If it has been, please direct me to the podcast or lesson. 
My son is two and a half and peeing on the floor or other inappropriate places when he's angry. He potty trained at 24 months and will very rarely have a real accident. But if he's mad or angry about something, he will take down his pants and pee on the floor. I feel like I've tried everything to get him to stop the behavior and nothing works. I tell him that pee pee goes in the potty and that if he needs to go and that he needs to go in the potty. He is a strong-willed and defiant kid and has been since he, oh, and has been since he turned a year old. He is speech delayed and has mild hearing loss from fluid buildup in his ears. We just recently found this out. He's starting speech therapy and we have an appointment soon to get tubes in his ears, so hopefully this helps with the defiant behavior. He probably is extra frustrated because he can't communicate like he wants to, but the peeing everywhere is driving me crazy. He has a younger sister who's 16 months old, so it's hard to be on top of him all the time and to prevent him peeing when he starts taking his pants off. He definitely knows that pee-pee goes in the potty. It's one of the few questions he can answer to me that isn't a yes or no question. I'm frustrated and tired of cleaning up pee everywhere. Please help. Lennis. Well, hopefully the tubes will help and that could be a contributing factor, but I think it would be really helpful to dive into the behavior a little bit deeper. Defiant behavior is a sign of revenge, that there's some type of resentment going on. So it's best to work on getting to the bottom of that. So I would really focus on and think about what is happening during these times that this is the behavior he's choosing. It's his way of letting you know that he's not pleased about something and wants to get your attention. So I would start making some mental notes, or you can even write it down in a journal just to keep track of it. What's happening just before this happens? Is his sister getting attention? Is he not getting something he wants? Now, I'm not saying this is an acceptable behavior, but just that it's his way of communicating that he's feeling resentment over something going on in the current situation. So you're right that without the ability to communicate, it's hard for him to share his feelings verbally, and therefore he may be choosing this as the way to get your attention and let you know that he's upset or hurt or angry. So think about what's happening during that time and then work to circumvent that. So if it's that you've set a boundary around something he wants to do or have or eat, then work on that. I understand that you're frustrated that you cannot have a snack before lunch. It will be ready in a few minutes. You can give him some options on how to share that you find acceptable. He can stomp his feet, run around the couch to get his frustrations out, hit the couch pillow, give him some options. Then you can just stay close in that moment to work on the peeing issue. If you know what the trigger is, then you'll be able to be there in that moment and just give your attention in that moment to work on a different go-to behavior for him. Because, and this means when you have that trigger, you won't have to follow him around constantly because you'll be able to predict it in those moments. Now, the other thing you can do is expect him to clean up. He won't do the best job, but if it's annoying enough to have to clean it up, then he'll stop. He gets the towel, he gets to wipe it up, and if his underwear or pants are wet, he gets to change himself, putting the soiled clothes in the laundry and getting new underwear and pants. So you would want to give a warning during a quiet time. I know you get frustrated sometimes. We all do but you know pee goes in the potty. The next time you pee anywhere that's not the potty, you will need to clean it up yourself. Do you understand? When that time comes, if he refuses, meaning refuses to clean up, he does not get to do anything else until he's cleaned up. No snack, no lunch, no playtime, no toys, what have you. It may seem a bit harsh, but if he's normally fully potty trained and you're tired of cleaning up and he's choosing to deliberately make a mess, then he gets to give his best attempt at cleaning up the mess. 
It may mean a few tantrums and outright refusal the first few times. That's expected, normal, and okay. Just let him throw the tantrum, work his way through it, and let him know you'll come back when he's done. Once he's calm, then you coach him about how to clean up and each of the steps. Taking the towel, wiping it up, throwing it in the hamper. It won't take long before he stops doing this because there's no longer a payoff. He's not getting attention for it. He should be getting attention for other things. Outside of a little coaching the first time or two, and he has to clean up a mess, which takes time away from other more fun things. This should circumvent this happening in the future. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk. Alpha-Lac, as well as Lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. BiHeart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. BiHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I want to not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I want to feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and body back into harmony. You're not alone on your wellness journey. Every customer gets one-on-one support to help you meet your goals. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. A healthy gut positively impacts immunity, mental health, sleep, digestion, and skin health. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. So from my parenting challenge this week, and we're still right smack dab in the middle of this one, And it will take some time to resolve. And I'm going to do my best to share the details that are pertinent and leave out those that aren't or will make it too long and meandering. But the basic gist is that my youngest son is having a pretty bad year at school. He and his teacher are just not meshing at all. Yes, this is the son with the ADHD diagnosis. And I will say I've realized over the years that our local public school is not the best fit for him. 
but he has never complained. He did really well despite his struggles to listen, follow directions, stay focused on his work at times, not talk out of turn, or having enough time to finish his work. When, oh, when he, oh, enough time to finish his work when he wanted to add more detail. He's very detail oriented. He likes to really go into a lot of detail on some of his work and projects, which is actually a great asset, but it doesn't really work well in the public school system where they have a lot of things to go through and get through in the day. They don't have that extra time to allow him to put the detail into his work that he would like to and doesn't always get it finished. So his teacher last year was amazing and has been by far the best fit for him. He finished the year above grade level in math and reading and genuinely enjoyed school for the first time. Now, I didn't know this, that this was the first time he was enjoying school because he never told me he was unhappy. And, you know, I wasn't a big fan of his kindergarten teacher myself, but I thought he loved her because every day he would run up to her and say, hi, Mrs. Yamamoto, and give her a huge hug. So I just didn't ask and just kept my opinion to myself. But this year has been particularly tough and a particularly bad match with between him and his teacher, and he's extremely unhappy. She's been coming down on him very hard, a lot of which I don't even want to go into the details because a lot of it is really petty and some of it was stuff that he was falsely accused for. A lot of details in there I don't really need to go into, but the biggest problem for me is his grades have been slipping, especially in math. Because he was above grade level at the end of the school year last year and now he's really struggling and we're only two months in. My biggest struggle is there was no communication about that just about behavior, daily emails about behavior, but then the test came home and it was a really poor grade and nothing about that. I had to call a meeting about the grades. But a couple more incidences in false accusations and I just decided I was really done. I wanted him moved out to a new teacher. And so I requested a transfer from the principal. Now she wants to do a meeting with all three of us, which I was willing to do up until that point of the false accusation and starting the day out by yelling at him for something he didn't even do. So I went back and I just insisted on the transfer and she still insisted we all meet. So after several sleepless nights while we were away on our vacation, cause this happened the day right before fall break and doing lots of research on my phone at midnight <laughs> to figure out what options we had, I knew I just cannot keep him in that classroom. My instinct is that this is just a bad fit. It's not going to get better. So regardless of whether the transfer is granted, and on top of that, I just want this kid to have a good long-term solution and not worry every year if he'll get a teacher who will not see him for who he is or have the vision and patience to leverage those strengths. He deserves to enjoy school, or at least most of it. It shouldn't be a miserable chore and a terrible experience. Or pretty soon, he's going to learn to hate school. And actually, he's so miserable, he's actually willing to leave his friends and the school where he's been going now onto his fifth year. So where we stand right now is we're going to tour a school that in theory sounds like an amazing fit. It's much more child-led with project-based learning, Teachers see themselves as facilitators in the child's learning experience rather than as the authoritarian who has to keep everyone on task. Now, surprisingly, my other two children also want to tour the school, and I was shocked. And actually, I wasn't even going to ask them, but when they heard me talking to Chandler about it, they really wanted to go too. Now, our oldest is the most tentative, understandably. And I've told them all they can each 
choose what they want to decide after the tour. The drop-off and pickup times are different so I can manage it. I just think in this instance, it's really important that they each make their own choice. For my oldest, he's always struggled with boredom. He seems to hit the top levels and our current school just doesn't have anything in place to teach or offer materials above grade level. Now, last year he was testing at a seventh grade math level in fourth grade. So every year he's been so bored in math and social studies. So this school could solve that problem for him as they allow kids to work ahead to their abilities and interests. For my daughter, she was super excited about their art and theater programs. She loves to draw. So like I said, we're still right in the middle of dealing with this how we're gonna resolve this, and my son does have to go back to school on Monday and Tuesday with the same teacher, but I'm really hoping that this little struggle that we've had has led to an awakening that was just the push that we needed to make this change, and it has a fairy tale ending. No school is perfect, we'll see how they like the tour, and if any of them decide to move over, but I'm definitely very hopeful, and I'll update as we get further along. But I think a couple of lessons I learned here is I've learned that We definitely need to advocate for our kids and not always assume that the teacher knows best for him or her. I'm certainly not knocking teachers. My oldest has had some of the most amazing teachers, which is why I never felt the need to move him, even though he was bored in some of the subjects. They did everything they could to engage him and teach him as far ahead as the district or school policy would allow or as far as I'm aware. I think that there's a lot of pressure on teachers, at least in public schools, to impart certain concepts and doesn't allow for a lot of wiggle room. And so for most teachers, doing something different or extra for kids who don't fall in the middle is just too much. I think they also experience a lot of burnout. And unfortunately, none of these circumstances is good for many of the kids. But I think I just learned that I really need to ask my kids a lot of questions and not just assume because they aren't saying much that they're happy. Now, my oldest will tell you every single thing that's not perfect. Remember, I shared a couple episodes ago that he falls on what we call the realistic or the negative side and the temperament trait for general mood. That's what that means, that he'll share every little negative thing that happens, but Chandler's the opposite. He's that happy, lucky, grateful guy and everything is great. So I learned I really need to ask him because he'll just put up with almost anything and not complain. I also realized that obviously I know my kids better than anyone and I always knew that traditional school system wasn't great for him. But since there was no complaining and I didn't really know or take time to learn of any other options, that I just let it go, no harm, no foul. So I think, you know, sometimes we just sort of throw our hands up and think there aren't any other options or that I don't have time or I can't figure it out or there just, it isn't an option available, this is all we've got, but there's always an option. If we're persistent, if we really wanna figure it out, there's always an option to fix a problem and it's so important to be resolution-minded. And just another example of this is actually I got a great testimonial from a parent just last week about the sleep class. She was really struggling with her four and a half year old for two years with bedtimes. He would get up, he was always asking for something, one thing after another, for water, for a hug. He was constantly getting up, taking over an hour to fall asleep. 
He just wouldn't stay in his room. He would actually get up, run around the living room, laughing as they tried to catch him and bring him back to his room. So it was like a whole game. They were getting really frustrated about it. It was really hard to keep their calm. But Anna signed up as a member and watched the toddler sleep class. And what she said was she was unsure if it would work with a very strong-willed preschooler. She said the first night was the hardest, as I had mentioned in the program, but by the second night, she saw a dramatic improvement. And by night four, he was no longer coming out of his room. She said it's been over a week of him staying in his bed at bedtime and putting himself to sleep. She said, my husband and I could not be happier, and I only wish I'd tried this a year ago instead of going to bed upset and frustrated with their son and probably him with them. They have a relaxing and loving bedtime and everyone is getting much more needed sleep. And I just love testimonials like this. When I get these, these just absolutely make my day, my week, because it's why I have done and put so much work into what I do. I love being able to help parents find those solutions, be solution-minded. And sometimes, obviously, I forget to be solution-minded in some instances. And I have to remind myself to be solution focused because that's why I'm here. Always remember there is a solution to every problem. If we just dig in a little bit, we'll find it. And that little investment of time in the short term, in the current time, is well worth the investment in the long term for so much better relationships, outcomes, enjoyment of life for years to come. To see samples of any of the 50 plus classes, including toddler bedtimes and sleep, and the temperament class where I teach about the nine traits, including the general mood, how to support and deal with each of these traits. Or to become a member, you can go to the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.